Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Then Jesus drove home his point by saying, This is a time with sky by and by. Some of you who are standing here are going to see it happen. See the kingdom of God arrive in full force. That's the context of this. Verse 2. Six days later, three of them did see the kingdom of God arrive in full force. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain. His appearance changed from the inside out right before their eyes. His clothes shimmered. Glistening white, whiter than any bleach could make them. Suddenly, Elijah, along with Moses, came into view in deep conversation with Jesus. Peter interrupted, Rabbi, this is a great moment. Let's build three memorials one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He blurted this out without thinking, stunned as they all were by what they were seeing. Just then, a light, radiant cloud enveloped them. By what? From, from the from deep in the cloud, excuse me, let me say verse 7 again. Just then a light radiant cloud enveloped them, and from deep in the cloud a voice. This is my son, marked by my love. Listen to him. The next minute the disciples were looking around, rubbing their eyes, seeing nothing but Jesus. Only Jesus. This must have been amazing for Peter to get back from his ultimate summer vacation. What did you do? Well, I went to a meeting where Jesus was transfigured and Elijah and Moses came back from heaven to have a conversation. Amazing. But also we did 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Bible says this, verse 3. You must therefore endure hardship or hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Let's pray one more time. God, would you open the eyes of our heart? Would you strengthen us and help us to see what you want us to see? Let blindness be broken, that our hearts see the truth of your word in light of our circumstances. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. When you're in the room or watching our online campus, I'm so glad that you're here today. It's going to be a powerful time. Last week, we preached a message called Grace and Grit, where we said that we're in a battle for the soul of our nation. That battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers and ideologies of darkness, trying to divide the church and pull it down from its power. Jesus already won the victory. We said we have to stand in that victory. We said the church of the living God must rise up in power full of grace and grit. Stand strong in our own personal relationship with the Lord and the biblical worldview that the Word of God is our absolute standard. Now, we've been talking about the church this month, this whole season. The church of Jesus being the only blockage 
the devil's plan to destroy this world and to destroy America. That's why we have to stay strong and stay united. And I want to ask a question this week. I want to just get into some more of the specifics of the message. And that is this question. What must we do to arise? When we say let the church arise, what does that mean? How do we rise? What does that mean? What are we supposed to do with that? This context of this passage is about the power of the kingdom of God. When Jesus in Mark 9 starts talking, he's driving the point home. He's talking about the power of the kingdom working through the church. And he said, some of you are going to actually see the kingdom power arrive in full force. That kingdom power is manifested to set captives free. It's manifested to break down hard hearts and help liberate broken hearts. How do we do it? First, draw nearer to God. Draw nearer to the Lord. The Bible says when Jesus wanted to give Peter, James, and John a powerful experience and a taste of the down payment of the Holy Spirit, the deposit of kingdom power and authority, he took them to this mountaintop. He took them to this experience where we call the Mount of Transfiguration. Transfiguration revealed the reality of the glory of God on Jesus. It revealed the potential of those disciples in that day, and it reveals the same potential in us. James 4, verse 8 says this way, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw near to God, and He'll draw near to you. I used to say it in this way, every step you take, every move you make, God is mirroring what you're doing. In the passage of Abraham taking his son Isaac up the mountain to offer him as a sacrifice in the commandment of obedience to God, as he's walking up that mountain, his son asks him, Dad, I, I see everything that we need except the sacrifice. Where's the sacrifice, Dad? And knowing what God was going to do, that somehow God, who had promised this son Isaac, he was, a, he was a son of promise. Abraham trusted God so much with his son's life that he kept saying to Isaac, God will provide some. And every step they took, they didn't realize that on the other side of that mountain, there was a goat, a scapegoat, coming up for every step they climbed. The answer and the ultimate sacrifice was on the other side. For every day, time you take a step of faith, every time you take a step of drawing nearer to God, He's drawing nearer to you. As you're cleansing your hands, He's purifying your heart. Transformation is God's heart for people. He wants to see us change. And He wants to see us change. According to this passage, the Bible says that the glory of God showed up on Jesus and, trans- and transfigured Him from the inside out. From the inside out, he changed his glory. He was enveloped with glory. And he was changed from the inside out. Jesus' radiant glory can be seen. And it can be experienced personally, not just in Bible times, but in your life and mine. We can taste that same glory. 
We can take that same power. And we need it, my goodness. We need it in this generation. We need more of the glory of God. But we've got to seek first His kingdom. We're supposed to be changed into His image. That's what the Bible says. I love 2 Corinthians 3, it from the message. Where Paul writes, all of us, nothing between us and God. Our faces shining with the brightness of His face. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like Him. My friends, you and I are either becoming more like Jesus or less like Jesus. We're either becoming more like Jesus during this pandemic or becoming less like Jesus in our harvest run cold. I want to challenge you to draw nearer to God even in the midst of the situation and all the circumstances we're facing, everything about this time the, uh, in the media is talking about uncertainty. And that's so true, but I've been saying the last few months, and I'll say it for the rest of my life, in the midst of uncertain times, our God is a sure foundation. His Word is a house to build a life on. It is a foundation to build your life on, to build your house on, to build your house on the rock. Stable, strong, and firm in the middle of challenges, in the middle of changes. Let's become more like Jesus, not less. In order to grow, we've got to realize this. We were not born to camp on mountaintops. We weren't born just to stay in those mountaintop experiences. In our church, can I tell you, in 30 years, we've had times where we have tasted the glory of God. We have had times where the presence of God has rolled in here like a cloud. We have had times of healing. We've had times where we've seen miracles. We've had times where we've experienced the presence and power of the Word of God moving in our midst and challenging each and every one of us with the truth. But we weren't born just for those experiences. Those experiences are to release in us confidence for the times where we don't feel anything. Jesus took the big three, his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, to the Mount of Transfiguration to give them a taste of the power of the kingdom of God. We can't camp on the mountaintops, nor can we cry in the valleys. We were born to make a difference to other people. We were born to make a difference to those that are hurting, to those that are broken, to those that are challenged. My friends, the church is supposed to be a battleship not a luxury cruise. Sometimes churches get so good at fellowship, so good at relationship. We, we call them country club churches, where it's all about us for and no more. It's all about us and how we can grow in the Lord. And we forget about the lost. We forget about unsaved people. We forget about those that are hurting, those that are going through challenges, those that are going through situations. But the church is not a luxury cruise. We are a battleship. I get concerned that this time of virus has left us spiritually unwell. And what I mean by that is, has left us selfish. Let us focus on ourselves. Let us focus on ourselves, our, our needs, our personal needs, our, what we may be lacking, what we did, what we saw in shortage at the store a few weeks ago, a few months ago. My friends, we're on a search and rescue mission for lost and broken people. We're on 
a battleship, and we're looking to find those that are hurting and that are struggling. The Word of God says this in our text today. You're a soldier. So don't get caught up in the day-to-day arguments of the culture around you. You're a soldier. A soldier is there to follow orders of the commander-in-chief. And our commander-in-chief is Jesus Christ. You've got to focus on being tough as nails. The Bible says endure hardness. I've said for many, many times for many years, over and over, that one of the hardest things to do in your Christian life and experience as you live these spiritual disciplines is to keep a thick skin or continue to have a soft heart. It's tough sometimes. When you see the world going to hell, when you see things going on around you that you can't control, that you can just pray and trust God, when you see all the negativity and all the darkness on the news of the day, and through social media. That's God to give you a thick skin, but to give you a soft heart. you got to toughen up. We used to say, toughen up, buttercup. But stay compassionate for those that are hurting. If you want to prepare, if you want to arise as the church of Jesus Christ, I'll say this. We need to hear the voice of the Lord clearly. And I would even say more clearly than ever. As Peter, James, and John experienced that glory and saw this conversation with Jesus and Elijah and Moses on the mountain of transfiguration, as they experienced this moment, Peter immediately got tunnel vision when he saw Jesus in this moment. And instead of closing his mouth and digging in the moment and learning at Jesus' feet, he interrupted. The message Bible says, Peter interrupted. The New King James said this way. He said, it's a good thing that you brought us here, Jesus. It's a good thing that you brought us here. We can be your witnesses that this happened. Because we can see who you really are now. And then he said, let's build some tabernacles. Let's build some shrines to this moment. And let's camp here. Forever. That's not the point of our faith. We're not trying to hide in church. We're not trying to camp out in church. We're not trying to hold the fort till Jesus comes. We're to be occupying. We're to be possessing the land like Joshua, where God said, Arise and cross over this Jordan, you and all this people, and possess the land which I have given you. For all the land of this Jordan shall be yours. And wherever the soles of your feet will tread, I've already given it to you. My friends, we're supposed to be walking by faith, not by sight. We're supposed to be walking around our community, prophesying life to the businesses that are struggling, prophesying hope to the people that are hurting and that have lost their jobs. We're supposed to be examples of faith and faithfulness and endurance and toughness. It's not about building tabernacles. It's not about building tents. It's not about camping out. It's not preparing a place for people to worship God and to connect with Him. Jesus didn't need to bring those guys for Him to know who He was. Peter was being foolish as He often was. And yet God answered, and Jesus said nothing. When Peter opened his mouth, and he interrupted, Hey, it's a good thing you brought us here. 
Jesus was quiet. But the Father himself, as a glory cloud came over those men, the Father himself overshadowed overhead, and he spoke thus. This is my beloved son. Hear him. This is my beloved son. Listen to him and obey him. Follow him. I read a devotional by Rick Warren about hearing from God recently. I want to recommend you. It's a great devotional on the new version. And Rick Warren says, if you want God to speak to you, then you've got to be prepared to say yes to whatever he tells you to do. Whenever God says something, he's going to keep speaking to your heart. And I'm saying we need to hear from God more than ever. But he's not going to keep speaking to you if you always ignore his directive or if you find an excuse to obey. We should say around here this. Slow obedience is not really obedience. It's disobedience. And disobedience is rebellion. When the disciples came back down the mountain that day, they immediately encountered a desperate father trying to save his tormented son. The implication of Scripture is that this young man, this maybe teenager, had experienced these epileptic seizures since he was a child. And they were demonic. And I want you to remember, you've been entrusted with God's power. The Bible says he gave his power all to you. He gave his power to you, his church, over demons, over sickness, and over disease. And when you lay your hands upon the sick, they shall recover. You and I cannot shrink back just because of the virus. The needs are still there. Yes, we got to be careful. Yes, we got to be socially distant things, but we can still show up. We can still pray. We can still lay on hands when the Bible, when the Word of God, and, and when Jesus and the Spirit of God instructs us, that's, that's what we should do. But you've been entrusted with God's power. Remember Matthew 10 1, when he called his 12 disciples to He gave them power over all unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. You have power. Say it with me. Say, I have power. I have power. Whether you're at home, whether you're on vacation, whether you're at the beach, whether you're in the grocery store, wherever you're watching this, and maybe in your car, or whether you're in this room. You've got to proclaim to yourself sometimes that you're anointed with power, that you are the anointed of God, you're the chosen of God, and you have power in your life. You're not a victim of circumstance. You're a child of God, and His power is on you, in you, through you, with you. God wants to move in your life, but you've got to get past what you've been going through. You've got to arise in that power. I like when the psalmist David was crying out to God. He realized that he, that he was downcast. He realized that he was stuck. He realized that he was that he was broken. He realized that he was struggling. And he said, why so downcast on my soul? Put your trust in God. Put your hope in God. He said, bless the Lord on my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Sometimes you've got to speak to yourself. Sometimes you've got to talk to your own soul. Soul, don't be depressed. Rise up and be who God made you be. My friends, where Jesus is Lord, Jesus is the cure. Jesus set that epileptic young man free. He cast out that demon and then he taught his disciples to do the same. He said, this time, doesn't come out by prayer and fasting. You've got to be prayed up. 
You've got to have a sacrificial life. You've got to be willing and ready to move in its power to set death that's free. Where Jesus is Lord, Jesus is the cure. I want to finish our time together today with the story of John Newton. Maybe you don't know that name, but maybe it not be a, a name you're familiar with, but some of you have heard the story before, I promise you. John Newton was an English sea captain that lived in the 1700s. He lived from 1725 to 1807, which is a really long life for back in those days. He was raised in a Christian home. He had a praying mother that just prayed. She thought he was supposed to become a preacher. But she died when he was only six years old and left John with his sea captain father as a little boy and then a stepmother later on took care of him. And he began to get angry in his heart. He began to rebel against his faith and run away from God in his life. Even though he was raised in the Word and even though he was founded in the promises of God, and since God leading at different times of his life, by its early teens he was drafted to the Royal Navy. And hanging around with other sailors, he denounced his faith. Outright denounced his faith and cursed the God who created him. According to crewmates, he became the most dark, profane person they ever known. They said that he didn't just swear and cuss like a sailor, he invented words that made the captain and seafarers blush. Through his obstinance and anger and authority, he was cast out of the Navy and placed on a slave ship to Sierra Leone in Africa on many slave voyages. By the age of 23, he was on a ship called the Greyhound. And the story goes like this. In March of 1748, while the Greyhound was in the North Atlantic, a violent storm came upon that ship that was so rough, it swept overboard a crew member who was standing where Newton had been just moments before. After hours of crew emptying water from the ship and expecting to be capsized, John Newton and another mate tied themselves to the ship's pump to keep from being washed overboard, working for several hours. After proposing the measure to the captain, Newton determined and said, If this will not do, tying ourselves to this, to this pump, then Lord have mercy on us. Newton rested briefly before returning to the deck to steer for the next 11 hours. During his time at the wheel, he pondered his divine challenge. This became his moment of salvation when he realized that when he prayed for mercy, even just under his breath, Lord, have mercy if that won't work. He found mercy. And he found in the years after that, even though he became a Christian, he continued in the slave business for several more years. Only his foul language and demeanor had changed within his heart. He no longer was a swearing sailor and an agent of just cursing everywhere, but still he kept going with no conviction at all, moving human beings from Africa and making money of selling them like animals. Following a health collapse at the age of 30, 
John Newton left sailing behind and began studying her pastoral ministry. With new convictions regarding all the cruelty and mistreatment of human beings he'd seen and experienced and even dished out himself, he sat with a writer friend and penned a now famous poem, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me. That once was lost, but now I'm found. Once blind, but now I see. This man who had been a champion of slavery and racism, became a champion for the cause of Christ, and joined with abolitionist politician William Wilberforce, one of the greatest men to help abolish slavery from all of England, eventually all of Britain, eventually into America. Continue on with amazing grace in the poem, Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed, as he thought about that time, in that storm, and how unworthy he felt. Thank you. 
just as Pastor Richard has talked about, this is the grace of God. I want to make sure that you understand that this grace, what we're talking about, there is a moment even in this man's life, this story, where he had a supernatural transition, a transformation that happened on the inside. This is not about choosing to be better, wanting to be better, pretending to be better, trying harder. This is a miracle that is outside of you that is in Christ, and it starts with submission by faith, trusting that you can't do this. But Jesus is so good. He wants to do a transformation on the inside of you that he does. He initiates, but we just surrender. That's all we can bring to the table. We surrender. Close your eyes for a moment, and if you're watching us right, maybe right now, online. Maybe you're at this point where you, man, you, maybe you've been about this thing and maybe you've been about trying to do better, trying to do good, frustrated that you're putting forth the effort and it's not working. And God is saying, if you just surrender completely to Jesus, then he will do a work. He will meet you. So let's just pray, Jesus, we need you. We surrender everything we are. I surrender my future. I surrender all of my plans. I surrender my whole heart. Jesus, reveal yourself to me. Transform me from the inside. May it be your work and not my effort. Change my life. Be Lord of everything. In Jesus' name, I trust you. Let's worship God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved us. 
Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you.